0: Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just search B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open, you've tapped into Trek FM's Hyper Channel. I'm Luke Weir, and we've got another episode full of Discovery news for you. I barely even know where to begin, but let's go ahead and start with the most important thing we've learned here. We finally have the release dates for Star Trek Discovery. And I did say release dates, because it's going to vary a bit depending on where you live. So, let's break this down. In the United States, you'll be able to see the first episode of Discovery on Sunday, September 24th at 8.30 Eastern and 7.30 Central. Now, that time could be pushed back a little bit, because of a football game earlier in the day, and if that runs long, then everything else in the schedule could be delayed. But don't worry, they're definitely not going to sacrifice any of the premiere episode to keep on schedule. So, U.S. viewers can find this first episode on CBS proper, then the second episode, along with the first, of course, will be available right away on CBS All Access. Then after that, new episodes will be available on Sundays, though we don't know yet what time those new episodes will be posted. Now, if you're in Canada, the first episode will premiere on both CTV and Space on Sunday, September 24th at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. Then the second episode will air exclusively on Space. Future episodes will air on Sundays on Space and will be available online through Space and participating on-demand channels. Now, for the rest of you across the world, you'll get to see the first two episodes on Monday, September 25th exclusively on Netflix. And all future episodes will be posted on Mondays. There's also been a scheduling change that will affect everyone no matter where you are. Star Trek Discovery's first season is going to be split into two parts. The first eight episodes will air the last week of September through the second week of November, and the back seven will begin airing sometime in January. There's been a few promotional images released recently that give us a glimpse into what we can expect on Star Trek Discovery. One of them shows off the transporter room on the Shenzhou, and if you haven't seen this yet, you should definitely check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, because if I tried to describe it, there's no way I could do it justice. Also, we got our first look at Jason Isaacs as Captain Lorca. This picture is significant for two reasons. First, it confirms that Captain Lorca is human. There were some rumors going around that he might be Andorian, and secondly, it gives us a glimpse of the bridge of the discovery the background is kind of blurry but we can make out some uh, metallic looking paneling on the wall Uh, there's some interesting blue and gold lighting and um, we see something that's probably a door behind him and uh, to me anyway it looks kind of like the doors uh, used in the ship on star trek enterprise there has been plenty of fan speculation about why Discovery has taken as long as it has to get off the ground. In an Entertainment Weekly interview, producer Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts shared some of the reasons for Discovery's multiple delays. Berg's reasoning is that, quote, "...you can't cut corners and have 95% of what's on screen be completely original and then have 5% something you bought at a store. It has to be cohesive, and it is. I'm so proud of what's on screen. It's so beautiful, and it's taking world building to a whole new level." End quote. Harberts shared, quote, There's so much artistry and custom craftsmanship that goes into every prop, every costume, every set. These things have to be designed and manufactured. We flew a costume designer to Switzerland to pick up the fabric for the Starfleet uniforms. Several items on our uniforms are 3D printed, and some of our sets can take over six weeks to make. CBS has given us the time and money to make something fans will find worthwhile, end quote. Now, I've seen some fans wondering why the design elements of the show have contributed so much to the show's delay. I feel compelled to point out that most of the Star Trek series and films that we've seen have relied quite a bit on reusing elements from previous installments. Even Star Trek The Motion Picture used certain props and design elements from Star Trek Phase 2, an abandoned concept for a Star Trek series developed before The Next Generation. The crew behind Star Trek Discovery has had to start from scratch, and it sounds like they're making the most of the opportunity they've been given. Entertainment Weekly has been a great source of information the past few weeks. We've got a lot of new info to cover, but I'll do my best to break it down here for you. First, let's run through some quick things. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of the Klingons in Discovery, because the show takes place during the Cold War between the Klingon Empire and the Federation. Chris Obi's character, T'Kuvma, is a Klingon leader who is determined to unite the Klingon houses, quote, by any means necessary, End quote. We also know now that the USS Discovery is a science vessel, and it's a lot newer than the Shenzhou. That seems to conflict a bit, though, with a description of Jason Isaac's character, Captain Lorca. He's described as a brilliant military tactician. Also, Rain Wilson's Harry Mudd is going to be a somewhat calmer, more grounded version than what we saw on the original series. We can also expect to see some retro design in some of the show's technology, bringing it a little closer to what we've seen in TOS. There's also going to be some lower deck storylines, since our lead Michael Burnham isn't the captain of the ship she's serving on. And we have also received confirmation that, as we suspected, everything shown in the trailer involved the USS Shenzhou. The only real glimpse we've seen of the Discovery is the Jason Isaac screenshot and uh, pictures of the Discovery used in promo images. And we're going to have to wait for a high-res image of the ship to really get a good look at it. We also now know for sure that the Shenzhou and the Discovery are two distinct ships. ships. We've also gotten some insight into Commander Michael Burnham's backstory. Producer Erin Harbert shared that she is the first human to have attended the Vulcan Learning Center and the Vulcan Science Academy, and clarified that although she has spent a lot of time on Vulcan, she is human. Sarek plays an important role in her life until she, quote, makes a difficult choice that sends her life on a very different path. That choice affects her, affects Starfleet, affects the Federation, it affects the entire universe. That choice leads her to the USS Discovery, end quote. Harbors also fleshed out the serialized aspect of the new series. Quote, it's a serialized telling of a tale, an exploration of one particular character, Michael Burnham, along the path of discovering what it means to be human and finding her individuality. Those types of stories have been really well told in the Star Trek movies, but it's been hard to do in the television iterations because episodes have been so closed-ended. The advantage to Burnham not being in charge of the bridge right now is that we get to tell stories from a different point of view. It's a fresh feeling because we're not on the bridge all the time. We get access to more parts of the ship, end quote. Another big talking point has been about the so-called Roddenberry rule from the Next Generation era, which was a rule for the show's writers saying that the Federation officers couldn't be in direct conflict. That rule was first implemented quite strictly on the Next Generation, but was softened when Roddenberry left the series and as Star Trek evolved as a franchise. When asked if Discovery's writers are being held to that rule, Harbert said, quote, No, we're not. We're trying to do stories that are complicated, with characters with strong points of view and strong passions. People have to make mistakes mistakes are still going to be made in the future. The thing we're taking from Roddenberry is how we solve those conflicts, quote. Berg chimed in by saying, quote, the rules of Starfleet remain the same, but while we're human or alien in various ways, none of us are perfect. When you watched the first Discovery trailer, you may have noticed that the picture didn't completely fill out the screen. There were some small black bars on the top and the bottom of the screen, and uh, there's a reason for that. Star Trek Discovery is being shot in a 2x1 aspect ratio, which is pretty close to the 16x9 aspect ratio that we're used to seeing on modern screens, but it adds a bit of a cinematic effect to the picture. According to Harbert's quote, Nicholas Meyer's films are a touchstone, and not just because he's been on staff with us. His storytelling is complex and and intellectual, and yet there's a lot of room for character voices and character work. He's done such an incredible job with the franchise. In terms of scope and scale, there's something about Star Trek The Motion Picture that really speaks to us as well. CBS has allowed us to find a cinematic language that's wider in scope, since our aspect ratio is two by one, and it lends itself to to a very lyrical way of telling the story. And just visually speaking, there's also a little hint of what J.J. Abrams did in terms of some of the visuals, end quote. One more thing before we move on, it's been confirmed that Jonathan Frakes will be directing an episode of Star Trek Discovery. After starring as Commander Riker on The Next Generation, Frakes went on to direct a variety of episodes in the Trek franchise, as well as the film's First Contact and Insurrection. He's also directed some non-Trek series like Leverage, Burn Notice, and NCIS Los Angeles. He previously worked with Discovery producers Berg and Harberts on their CBS series Roswell. Alright, that's enough discovery news for now. Let's get into a few other items of interest. A few Star Trek stars from the Kelvin timeline have had major roles in some recent films. Chris Pine portrayed Steve Trevor in the first ever Wonder Woman movie, which has turned out to be a big hit for Warner Brothers despite uh, some tepid expectations and an underwhelming marketing campaign. Led by Gal Gadot and Chris Pine, Wonder Woman opened at number one with a $103 million opening weekend, and is now the most successful DC Extended Universe film in the United States, and its earned over $700 million worldwide. It also has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92%. Another star from Star Trek Beyond, Sofia Boutella, who you know for her breakout role as Jayla, stars as the main villain in The Mummy reboot led by Tom Cruise. This film also marks the feature-length directorial debut of Alex Kurtzman, the executive producer of Star Trek Discovery. Unfortunately, this film has not done so well. It earned $31 million in its opening weekends and may not even earn back its $130 million budget domestically. It has, however, been doing better overseas. At this point, about 80% of tickets have been sold internationally nationally. The Mummy didn't do so well with critics either. It's only scored a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the problems with the film aren't necessarily Alex Kurtzman's fault. There's been widespread reporting that Tom Cruise had undue creative control throughout the entire process of making the film. You may have heard a story last week about how the online hacktivist group Anonymous claimed that NASA was about to announce some sort of discovery regarding alien life. Unfortunately, like every other alien story up to this point, that report has turned out to be false. NASA lead communications specialist Lori Cantillo issued a statement saying, quote, While we're excited about the latest findings from NASA's Kepler Space Observatory, there's no pending announcement regarding extraterrestrial life. For years, NASA has expressed interest in searching for signs of life beyond Earth. We have a number of science missions that are moving forward with the goal of seeking signs of past and present life on Mars and ocean worlds in the outer solar system. While we do not yet have answers." We will continue to work to address the fundamental question are we alone? Quote. The Kepler Space Observatory did recently discover ten planets out of a few hundred that might be able to sustain life, but we haven't found proof of any real aliens as of yet. But believe it or not, this is not the only conspiracy theory that NASA has had to debunk recently. Alex Jones, the founder of InfoWars and the purveyor of a wide variety of bizarre conspiracy theories, uh, made the claim that children are being kidnapped and sent to work in a slave colony on Mars. Um, despite the lunacy of this claim, NASA did feel the need to issue a statement about it. A spokesman for Mars Exploration at NASA gave a pretty terse statement about the theory. Quote, there are no humans on Mars. There are active rover on Mars there was a rumor going around last week that there weren't there are rovers but there are no humans all right in my last segment for today's hyper channel I want to let you know about some cool Star Trek stuff I've been compiling a list of new games collectibles and other memorabilia to let you know about so if you're in the market for some new Star Trek merch you might want to keep an eye on some of these things uh, first, there's a special edition of the tabletop RPG Star Trek Adventures that really has to be seen to be believed. It's the Borg Cube Collector's Edition. The game comes packaged in a Borg cube and comes with a 1701D Collectible Edition core rulebook, four sets of miniatures, including the original series crew, the next generation crew, and Klingon and Romulan crews, as well as everything else you'll need to play the game. There's also some books you'll want to check out. A new edition of Hidden Universe Travel Guides called Star Trek The Klingon Empire takes 50 years of lore and packages it in the context of a travel guide with detailed maps, cultural information, and even a glossary of important phrases, such as, where's the bathroom, translated into Klingon. There's also some new Kelvin Timeline art books scheduled to come out this fall. Star Trek Beyond The Artistry of Joel Harlow features some of Beyond's gorgeous creature design on over 250 pages. That's due out on October 3rd. Also, The Art of Star Trek The Kelvin Timeline will feature art from all three Kelvin Timeline films, and that one currently doesn't have a release date. A Star Trek Discovery novel tie-in is coming in September to coincide with the show's premiere. The book is titled Star Trek Discovery Desperate Hours by David Mack and will be available on September 26th, that's the Tuesday after the premiere. In an interview with Trek Movie, the author said that he developed the book based on characters, dialogue, backstory, and situations in the upcoming series' two-part pilot. If we've all done our jobs correctly, it should serve as an excellent companion piece to the two-part premiere. There's also a Discovery comic in the works as well. Another run of Star Trek-branded adult coloring books are scheduled for release in late December. There will be an original series book and a Next Generation book. Star Trek calendars are already being released in anticipation of 2018. On the slate for next year is a TOS 12-month calendar, a Kelvin Timeline weekly calendar, a daily calendar featuring Trek quotes, character biographies, trivia, and more. Star Trek 50 Artists 50 Years is a poster calendar celebrating the 50th anniversary. The Star Trek Ships of the Line monthly calendar will feature famous vessels in a horizontal format, and there will also be a Discovery calendar released in October. The Canadian Post released a collectible stamp book earlier this year, featuring over 25 pages of iconic Star Trek imagery. It comes with four exclusive souvenir stamp sheets and includes a $5 Borg cube stamp. Hallmark will soon be releasing this year's Star Trek Keepsake Ornaments. This year they're releasing a USS Franklin ornament that features internal lighting in the bridge window and both of the warp nacelles, and they're also releasing a Talking Next Generation ornament featuring Captain Picard and Data. And on top of that, Hallmark is also releasing a new line of Star Trek plush toys featuring the TNG crew. And lastly, there's a really neat limited edition 3D pen currently on Kickstarter that you'll want to check out while you still can. These are three Doodler Star Trek Crew 3D pens. There are six total, three for the original series and three for the next generation. The Three Doodler extrudes heated plastic that cools almost instantly into a solid, and there's no computers or software needed. All you have to do is plug the pen into a power socket and start drawing. All the pens come with a unique numbered engraving, an additional plastic pack, a Star Trek-themed leather pouch for your 3D pen, and Star Trek-themed projects for you to create. Now, this is only available through Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter for these 3D pens only lasts a few more days. So if you want this or any of the other items I've talked about, you can find all of the links you'll need in the show notes. For our recommended viewing this week, I stumbled across a video shared by redshirtsalwaysdie.com. It's a speculative video by Ketowalski about what might happen if Earth was destroyed in the Star Trek universe. I always find this type of speculative discussion really interesting, so the link to that will be in the show notes. That's it for today's episode of Hyper Channel. Be sure to subscribe and leave a star rating and a written review. Uh, we'd love to have you join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just search Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. You can email us through our website at trek.fm slash contact. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. You can keep up with me on Twitter at CraptasticLuke. You can also add me on Facebook. Just search for Luke. Luke Weir. You can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Trek FM to get all the details. Don't forget you can check out all of the articles I sourced for today's episode in the show notes, and full disclosure, some of the quotes featured in today's show were edited slightly for clarity. I'm Luke Weir, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Hyper Channel.